It's uh, really nice uh, to be here with all of you, and it's kind of fun to see some uh, familiar faces. So it's wonderful uh, to be here with all of you. I think I'd like to start with a, a prayer, and uh, I want to take it from uh, Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27. And I kind of chose this because uh, I think sometimes prayer is hard, and I think sometimes uh, we're not sure whether we're praying well or we're not maybe even in the mood for prayer. We don't even know what to say or do at certain moments. And I think this speaks a lot to those moments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we ask that you would send your Spirit into our hearts to help us to pray as we listen to your word. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in speech. He who searches hearts knows what the Spirit means. For the Spirit intercedes for the saints as God Himself wills. Lord, help us when we're struggling with our prayer. Help us right now to pray in a way that would give glory to you and be an opportunity for us to, to have a, a brief uh, encounter with you. Bless our evening tonight. Open up our hearts to ways in which maybe you want to speak to us. Bless all of those who are dear to us and who are hurting. Bless the food. Uh, for those who haven't said grace tonight, bless the uh, Bless all of those, Lord, who are struggling as a result of all of the, the hurricanes and flooding. And we ask this prayer humbly through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So another reason that I picked this reading is because I think that it speaks about, uh, about men. One of the things I joke about is that I think that language was invented for women because men could get away with just grunting and groaning. And so the Spirit makes an intercession for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in speech. So when men are doing that, we're actually praying with the help of the Holy Spirit. Just so you know. So I uh, want to start with a fun joke about, about priests. And... Uh, so he's, we're getting his fall. He's getting close to fall anyway. It's the end of the summer, and it's getting close to hunting season. Do we have any hunters in here? Wow! No O'Connell people and no hunters, huh? All right. Well, I'm going to tell them anyway. So uh, this one priest was, you know, grew up in uh, kind of out in the middle of the woods, and and uh, and would just love to hunt. And once he became a priest, he didn't get to do it very often, and. It, it was an absolutely you know, gorgeous fall and lots of hunting days, and he doesn't get out, he doesn't get out, he doesn't get out. And so finally one Sunday morning, it's so gorgeous, and he's just fed up, and he just gets up, and he calls the other priest in the rectory, and he says, listen, I, I'm really sick. <laughs> Can you cover my mass for me? And the guy says, of course. So he waits for the other guy to go into the church, and he throws his gun in the trunk of the car, and he goes out. And he's out in the woods, and it's this gorgeous fall day, and the leaves are falling, and and he's so excited. It's early in the morning. He's ready for a great day. And all of a sudden, he turns around and there's this big, huge bear running after him. And he says, ah, no problem. I've done this before. So he's wiggling his way. He knows what he's doing through the woods. But all of a sudden, he catches his foot and he tricks. And he gets up and the bear is pretty darn close. 
So he gets up and he turns around and he runs and he's, he's got his gun and he's running and he's running and he trips again over a branch that he doesn't see and he breaks his foot. And he falls down on the ground and the bear's you know, five feet away. And all of a sudden the priest clasps his hands together and he says, oh dear God, you know, I'm so sorry for skipping Mass today to come out here hunting. I promise I'll never, ever, ever, ever do this again. Just do me a favor and make this bear Catholic real quick. <laughs> And so all of a sudden, this bear screeches to a halt, falls down to his knees, and clasps his paws right in front of this poor priest, and he says, Bless us, O Lord, and he's like this. <laughs> Even though we don't have any hunters, thank you for laughing. That's not me. I don't like to hunt, actually. But that was not me. So um, the title for my reflection this evening is uh, Life is a Pilgrimage. And uh, I've had the, the awesome privilege of going on a lot of pilgrimages. Uh, over the years, I've been a priest for 28 years, which is kind of scary to me. Um, and I've had a lot of opportunities to go on pilgrimage, sometimes with parishes uh, that I was in, and sometimes for World Youth Days. And sometimes uh, with Marymount. I've done a lot with uh, Marymount. And uh, I have to say, I think that those pilgrimages have been a huge blessing in my life. Huge. Um, and I look back on them with, uh, with great, great fondness and memories, um, really from a, from a spiritual perspective. And so one of the things that... Uh, that, I, that I've learned over the years, a, a definition that I would give for a pilgrimage, if, if you care for one, is uh, an arduous journey of faith. Um, th there's something about pilgrimages that's actually always difficult. They're always hard. Uh, they're always challenges. Uh, and sometimes it's just the, the nature of a pilgrimage. When you're traveling, it, it can be difficult, right? And, um, you know, sometimes dealing with the crowds when you're on a pilgrimage can be difficult. There's some things that I think are just kind of built into it. You know, dragging your luggage and never staying in the same place usually for too long. All of that stuff can just be exhausting to some extent. But I, I have also found that there's almost always um, additional challenges that come your way. And so you might have um, a flat tire on your bus. Or you might uh, miss an airplane. Or you might have a, a, you know, a really difficult uh, flight. And this reminds me of, a, of another, uh, another joke. Uh, and so uh, this woman, an older woman, was, was flying home from uh, a pilgrimage. And uh, you know, she's kind of getting up there in years. And fell asleep for most of the flight. But woke up right before they landed. And, and they came down with a really serious thud. And everybody was kind of, oh, you know, people were really, but luckily they landed. Now, this particular airline company had a tradition of making sure that the captain would um, greet all the people on the way out of the plane. And so he was really pretty anxious about how this was going to go. But it was people from the pilgrimage, most of them. And so they were actually fairly kind. But this poor one woman, uh, she, she was the last one out of the plane. And uh, he's thinking, oh goodness, I'm going to get out of this unscathed. And he walks up, she walks up, and she's almost going to walk by. And then she stops and she looks up and she says, Captain, can I ask a question? And he says, sure, ma'am. And, and she says, um, 
Did we land or were we shot down? <laughs> so I, sometimes the flights uh, can be a, a, a real challenge. Um, but you know, one of the things that uh, is true is that life is often full of a lot of challenges. In fact, I've heard one or two already just this night just from walking around and chatting with a few folks. Life is often full of challenges. Life, is a, as a pilgrimage, has uh, a lot of crosses that we have to carry. Another thing about pilgrimages that I have found uh, is that um, the, the gift of, of pilgrims, doing these pilgrimages with other people. And uh, Eric, will you give me the first one? I've got a few slides that I'm just going to be showing. So, Here's a few folks from uh, Marymount. Uh, in fact, there's a few of them in here tonight. And this was uh, in Assisi, in a chapel, uh, right very, very close to where St. Francis is buried. And uh, great, great moment. And one of the things that I have found on pilgrimages is that the blessing of going through the experience with other people, with other pilgrims. And a lot of times what we do on our pilgrimages is at the end of the evening we kind of have a, 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 a moment to go through highs and lows. And one of the things that I always love is that different people are finding God in powerful ways in completely different ways than me. And then maybe the next day I'm going to be more aware of the ways in which they're experiencing God. And so it really enriches my own experience. And I, and I love that. Um, and I have found that to be the case, and, and you know, most of my pilgrimages have been with young people, and I love to get inspired by young people and their insights. And I think that that's one of the things that Jesus meant when he said, unless you become like children, now college students are not children, but unless you become like young people, uh, you cannot enter the kingdom. And I think we can learn a lot from young people. I really do. Um, you know, in those, in those moments, uh, I've seen a lot of exciting things happen. So I've seen uh, vocations get nurtured on pilgrimages, especially World Youth Days. And uh, Father Tom in the back might have a story at some point to tell you about that. Um, one of, and um, I've, had, uh, I've actually had a number of couples... Uh, fall in love while on pilgrimage. And so I don't know, if we're close to a parish. I don't know if any of you know uh, Amy and uh, Bobby Celio. They do some ministry right here at St. Mary's. And they fell in love uh, in Paris for the World Youth Day in, uh, in France and Paris. And, and, and they, they, I think they actually, on the, the Eiffel Tower, I think that that's when it actually kind of happened, which was great. But a few years ago, I had another couple that was uh, from Marymount, and uh, there's a number of you that would know them, but uh, uh, Shannon and Martin Boyle met on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Now, is that a place to meet your future spouse or what, huh? The Holy Land. And we did go to Canaan while we were there, but uh, they weren't married yet, obviously. But uh, it was, uh, so, I, you know, a big part of pilgrimage for me are the people. And, and experiencing uh, God's grace with other people. 
So um, another element of pilgrimage that I think is really significant is the chance to go to receive the Mass, receive the Eucharist and go to Mass every day. Not all of us have that opportunity. Not all of us are used to that. And at least on our pilgrimages, we do that every day. And there's something about the Eucharist as being food for the journey that I have found to be extremely powerful for everybody who goes on pilgrimages. That opportunity every day to be nourished by Christ. It's a pretty awesome thing. So now, moving forward just a little bit, I, I, I want to share with you uh, a couple of thoughts about holy places, holy people, holy art, and holy things connected with pilgrimages. So, uh, the first thing at the holy places, and uh, so this is the, the Blessed Sacrament Chapel in the Jesus Church in Rome. The Jesus is one of the Jesuit churches. It happens to be where St. Ignatius of Loyola is buried. St. Ignatius spent most of the last years of his life in Rome. When he wasn't traveling, he was living in Rome. And he has, um, well, he's got the rooms where he lived and so forth, and that will come up a little bit later. But uh, the Jesus is uh, a pretty amazing church. St. Ignatius of Loyola is one of the patron saints of my community. And he's, he's buried there. Um, over, way over on the right-hand side of that chapel of the church is uh, the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, which is dedicated to the Sacred Heart. Uh, this is a picture I took, so I'm sorry it's not uh, the best, but, uh, but it, it is what it is. Um, and I had, I had been to that church a number of times already, but the last time that I was there, I discovered something that I had never seen before, and I don't know how. But surrounding... In this little chapel are seven pictures of St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis of Assisi is another patron saint of my community. And one of the reasons that we pick St. Francis of Assisi is his love for the Eucharist. And we consider him to be the heart of our community. So Ignatius is the head, Francis is the heart, St. John Bosco is the hands of our community. So here in one church we've got this sacred heart in the church dedicated to St. Ignatius with seven pictures of St. Francis. When I was on uh, my sabbatical last fall in Rome, I spent many an hour in that chapel praying. And it was really beautiful. Um, next. <clears throat> the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I had the privilege... Uh, Gosh, I guess it's uh, about 14 years ago to go down to uh, Guadalupe for the first time in Mexico City. This is a, a, a photo of the actual image. And uh, the basilica was, was made, it's, it's modern and that's not necessarily my favorite, but uh, this was really, really well done. So this, this image is high enough that you can see it from the main new basilica, which can see 10,000 people. It's enormous. But behind it, they've got these escalators going by so that you can be behind the altar, not disturb Mass, and have a whole bunch of people going back and forth to watch, uh, to look at this image, again, without disturbing Mass. They have Mass every hour on the hour in this basilica. They have an indoor chapel where they have every Mass on the half hour in this chapel. And you can have up to, you know, well, the days that I was there, up to 8,000 people at every one of these Masses. It's amazing the number of pilgrims that are going to Mexico City all the time. I love the fact that 
Mary chose an Indian and not a Spaniard to appear to and that he was poor. And I love the fact that she uses Tilman and the way that all that worked out and the beauty of the Tilman. I'm not going to go into that right now. But the reason that I'm, going to, I'm telling you the story is that I had heard after John Paul II was chosen to be Pope, and he was kind of special to me, that he went to uh, Fatima to dedicate his service as Pope uh, to God through Mary at Fatima. And so I was newly elected to be the director of youth apostles, and I was scared to death. Uh, the founder of our community had been the director for the 25 years, and I was the first non, I was the next one after him, and I was scared to death. And I went on pilgrimage to Guadalupe, it's a little closer than Fatima for us, um, to dedicate my service as director to God through me. It was a great, great pilgrimage. One of my brothers, Father David and Charlie, came with me for that. Next. This is uh, the, the, the Holy Sepulchre, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and this is uh, the actual tomb of where Jesus uh, was buried. And, uh, you know, kind of important. Huh? Three days in the tomb. Uh, this is where they laid him. And this is where he rose from the dead. And I've been there twice, both times with Mary Mount, and celebrated Mass in there. So right as you go in this front, right here, um, there's a, a little bit of a larger room. You might be able to fit 20 people in there. And that's where the pilgrims would stay. And then you had to duck down and go through a little kind of cave that was about 7 feet, 8 feet, I think. And then that's the room where the actual tomb is. And so when you're celebrating Mass, only the priests get to go in there. And the rest of the people are kind of 10 feet away in another room that's a little bit bigger. And I mean, what can I say? As a priest, to celebrate Mass on the tomb of Jesus. Uh, there's not really words. What an incredible, incredible moment. The first time that we did it, they only give you a certain amount of time, like 45 minutes. So you're supposed to celebrate, well, you're allowed to celebrate the Mass of, the, of Easter, of the Resurrection, which is a really awesome thing. I mean, it, it was the middle of May, and we're celebrating Easter. It was awesome to be able to be doing that. The first time that we did it, we tried to celebrate Mass in like 35 minutes. Father David can do that, I can't. Um, <laughs> in 35 minutes, and then we let the pilgrims go in for a couple of moments to go in and kneel down and have a moment there. Second time that we did it, um, we actually chose to do it differently, and it was bizarre, but it was beautiful. We allowed the pilgrims to come in two at a time while celebrating Mass, and come in and kneel down, and be present to that tomb for just a few moments. It's really, really powerful. Next. <laughs> for those that know me, you know, I had to throw something from France or Paris in here. Um, this is the Church of the Sacred Heart, or Sacre Coeur, uh, and it is uh, it's on, it used to be outside of Paris, and it's at Montmartre, which is the Mountain of the Martyr. So the first big martyr of France was was martyred here, um, Saint Denis. And back then, you didn't kill people or bury people in the city. So this was outside the city way back then, in the 300s, I think it was. And um, 
This church is built on the mountain of the martyr. It's the sacred heart. And uh, it is a beautiful church. But one of the reasons that it's deep, particularly dear to me is that they have had 24-hour exposition of the Blessed Sacrament straight since August the 1st, 1885. Through two world wars. And that church was not bombed. And straight. And I, when I was at UVA, I, I had a great friend who was from Versailles, which is 40 minutes outside of, of Paris. And uh, his parents had the 3 a.m. slot on Thursday nights and did this for years and years and years. So people would come in from all around the city to take an hour of adoration. And this has been going on straight since 1885. Great place of pilgrimage. So these are some places that just have been, become dear to me, as you can imagine. Next, I'd like to go to holy people. Um, <laughs> so this is Father Peter for many of you who know him and that happens to be me over there with a little more hair um, but if you, this is in the basilica that St. Uh, John Bosco built in Turin, Italy and it is in the basement church and um, that's St. John Bosco up high on the right and that I believe it's uh, Father Cafasso who was uh, one of his uh, dear mentors uh, on the left-hand side. And so we're kind of in a similar pose. <laughs> just, just for some fun. So, uh, yeah. So, um, first time that I went to, uh, to Turin was actually for the World Youth Day uh, in Paris. And we went to Italy first, and we were there. And I'd never been to Turin before, and St. John Bosco is one of the patron saints of my community, right? And so... I just had really grown deeply in a, in a very spiritual bond with St. John Bosco that has been enriched even since this time. But uh, he just is super dear to me. But when I arrived and we got to this big, beautiful church that he built, dedicated to the Blessed Mother, um, I was walking down the main aisle, and as I kind of traditionally do, and I'm explaining some things to the students in different pictures and images and what's going on, and walk down the aisle, walk down the aisle, and then... And I had never been in here before. And then I looked over to the side, and, and this is where St. John Bosco was buried. And so I walked that way, and they had these, you know, a bunch of dealers out in front of, of that. And I knelt down, and I began to weep. And I, and I wept, I think, for 10 or 15 minutes. And it just, it just so hit me what a what a profound spiritual friendship I felt that I had with St. John Bosco. Because he was a priest who completely dedicated his life to working with young people. And he began a community. And I did not begin with apostles, but I was there after it, two years after it began. And I know what it's like to help get a community started and how hard that is. And a community that's dedicated completely to working with young people and his style is just the, the, the style that we, that we try to use in Youth Apostles. And, and, and I, just, I just lost it for a few minutes. And I, I felt so unbelievably close to this saint. I mean, I never met while he walked on the earth, right? But I believe that, 
that the saints are one of the most incredible gifts to us as Catholics uh, and to the world, but we Catholics seem to be a tad more focused on the gift of saints. And I believe that we are invited to have a spiritual bond with some saints. So, one next. Um, this is the, the tomb of St. Catherine of Siena. And this is in Rome. But when we went to uh, Italy the last time with, uh, with Mary now we actually went to Siena. And uh, I think they have her skull in Siena, something like that. This is something that we're not very used to in the United States, dividing our saints up into pieces. Uh, but her skull is in, in Siena. Uh, but she lived her last years in Rome and was buried in Rome. And this is her tomb. And it's in the church of... Uh, uh, Santa Maria Sopra Minerva. I don't, I don't even know how to say that in English, and I don't even know Italian very well, but I'm not sure how to say that in English. And it's, it's a, a, run by the Dominicans. She's a third order Dominican. That makes plenty of sense. Um, I have grown to love St. Catherine of Siena in part because uh, she was very feisty. She was very courageous. She was incredibly prayerful. And she, she reached these amazing heights of prayer. One, one particular inspiration that she had was that she, she, she tried and believed and prayed that she, she gave her heart completely to Jesus. And she received another inspiration at one point where um, Jesus appeared to her and took his heart out and gave it to her and said, you gave me yours the other day, now I'm giving you mine. What a, what a powerful thought. What a powerful inspiration. And there's, a, there's a, a spot in the chapel in Siena, in the church, it's a basilica, where they believe that that inspiration took place and it's marked with a, with a sacred part in the, in the chapel. Um, but while in Rome, I, I, I went here many a time, and I actually said evening prayer on the night of her feast day at, at her tomb which was just really powerful, and that's the kind of thing you can do in Rome. You can do that in a, in a lot of places. Um, and of course, you know, she was pretty big, sometimes it gets argued a little bit, but she was pretty big on getting the Pope to move from Avignon in France back to Rome, and uh, uh, that took a lot of courage and a lot of prayer. Anyway, next. Um, this is uh, the church where St. John Paul II grew up, in his hometown, dedicated to the Blessed Mother. And on one of our pilgrimages with Mary Mount to, uh, to Poland, um, I actually, I, I was there twice, actually. On the first time that I went, I was the main celebrant for the Mass. And so I celebrated Mass on that altar. Um, and it was really, it was really just amazing. And, and about, I don't know, 40, 50 feet to this side, behind the wall here, is the baptismal font where he was baptized. And um, I have a, a tremendous love for John Paul II, St. John Paul II. Uh, I actually had a chance to shake his hand in Rome the first time that I was over, over there. But to be here knowing that this is where his vocation was started and began and was nurtured and where he received the sacraments and to be able to celebrate Mass on that altar, and, and I know he celebrated Mass on that altar, he was pretty powerful. Next. So I'm moving to uh, my section on holy art. 
for those of you who know me, I'm a, a huge fan of religious art. And uh, this was uh, one of my more favorites. I, I grew to love Caravaggio a lot while I was over there. And I, I love Caravaggio's use of uh, colors and facial expressions. And uh, this is some, it's got two different names, but the one that I like is Our Lady of the Pilgrims. And you can see these two pilgrims here with, with tremendous, tremendous reverence, right? And just looking with, with just tremendous reverence, and, and they're poor, they're barefooted, and um, they've got their pilgrimage sticks, right? Their, their staffs. But the thing, one of the things that I love about this particular picture is that I think that Mary and Jesus are looking on them with even greater love and devotion. Because that's the way it is with God and Mary. No matter how much we love them and no matter how devoted we are and no matter how much we care, they love us so much more than we love them. And Mary's barefooted too because she was poor. I believe so often that good religious art is, is like a capturing a moment a lot of times in the scriptures or a reality of our faith. And it's a prayer. I, I think it took prayer for something like that together. Next. This was something I stumbled into in Rome. Um, I was with a, a friend and we were just kind of walking through the city and we, you, know, you just walk into churches in Rome because they're awesome. And I was so caught off guard. So this is, this is a new piece of art that was put into a very old side chapel and it, it's clearly not originally meant to be there. But um, you can't quite see it as well as you can in person, but they're very life-size. And the gaze of Jesus into the eyes of Padre Pio, and Padre Pio's gaze into Jesus is so powerful, it is, it's, mag it's magnetic. It's just amazing um, looking at that. And I believe it's all wood, um, and it was a surprise, and uh, it was very powerful. Because on some level, that's what prayer is supposed to be. At least certain kinds of prayer. It's to be gazing like that at the face of Christ. Next. Um, this was a, another surprise for me. So I was... I, during my time in Rome, on my sabbatical, um, I was writing a book. And during the day, I would write the book. And in the late afternoons, I would just travel around the city. And I would go to churches, by, you know, and I would, I would pray the tombs of the saints, and I would soak in the oil. Well, way up high in Rome, there's a newer church that's not famous at all. And... Um, it just had pieces of art on the wall as opposed to the, the normal ways in which it's so elegantly laid out in, in so many of the other bigger churches. And this was just, this was just a painting on the, on a sidewall in this church. But it, it's an image of uh, Jesus with uh, the woman at the well. And I just haven't seen much art with Jesus and the woman at the well. And, and in my own prayer and in my own pondering it, for some reason I've always just had them further apart. And it just I just saw their, their interaction being a tad more distant for whatever reason. And this just captured me. How close Jesus was. And again, that looking into the eyes. Um, and the story of the woman at the well is one that's just uh, 
has always inspired me. And so that one really caught me off guard. And I love how, you know, Jesus and the woman share the bread and sharing sorrow, sharing suffering. I love it. Next. So this is uh, going to be harder for you to see the details. This is actually an enormous painting. Um, and it's one of the side altars in Rome. And so any priest can go into Rome, can go into St. Peter's, any, um, any, just about any day of the year, some of the, the feast days you can't, and Wednesday mornings it's harder, and go in and celebrate Mass. And they'll send an altar server with you to, because I think there's some 42 altars in St. Peter's that you can celebrate Mass on. It might be more than that. I got this one a number of times. I actually went down there most mornings while I was in Rome to celebrate Mass in St. Peter's. And they gave me this one a number of times. And this is Peter uh, walking on the water. Or actually, he's not quite walking at this moment. This is when Jesus is pulling him out. And that story too. Trust. Learning how to trust Jesus. And being courageous enough to walk on water. And then when things aren't going so well to say, Lord, save me. And Jesus was there. So I, uh, I had the privilege of celebrating Mass at that altar probably five times while I was in Rome. Next. Alright, we're moving into uh, the Holy Things. And this is a little bit different. Uh, didn't quite turn out the way in terms of the pictures that I wanted. I, Actually, I had been to ours. This is the, the bedroom of uh, St. John Vianney. I had been to ours on another pilgrimage with uh, Marigon students some years ago. And uh, actually, I think it was with Marigon. Anyway, uh, what made me think of ours was that someone that was with us, a priest, Father Dave Mang, some of you may know him, who was with us, knew that they actually keep a chalice that St. John Vianney used there in the sacristy. And if you know this and if you ask, they'll let you celebrate Mass with a chalice that St. John Vianney used. So we celebrated Mass that day with a chalice. I couldn't find a picture of that chalice. So I chose instead his bedroom. Um, <laughs> and uh, just because... Um, Sometimes we have the privilege of actually having some contact with some holy things. And uh, that's one of the things I love about going on pilgrimage. Next. So this is in the Holy Land. Um, this is a, a thorn bush. And some will say that they think this is probably the kind of bush that they made the crown of thorns out of. And... Um, you can, it's hard to get the dimensions here, but some of these thorns are about this long, and um, the end of them are is as sharp as you can possibly imagine. And so the idea of of Christ being crowned with those thorns just really struck me. It was a gorgeous day, uh, but I had to take a picture of those thorns, um, and and I did touch the edge of one of them. 
And so that idea of being able to touch uh, things sometimes while on pilgrimage is, uh, is special. Next. Um, I had to throw this one in there. In, uh, in Rome, uh, they have the rooms where St. Ignatius uh, lived and died. And this is the room where he died. And so they turned it into a chapel. And you can celebrate Mass there. Um, and again, this is a little bit more probably fitting in with the idea of a holy place. But um, it was just particularly precious. And so this is a, a great friend of mine uh, who uh, joined us, Mike Burke. And uh, this is a selfie. So uh, not so bad, huh? Not so bad with a selfie. Uh, but that was just a, a great, great moment, too. So um, I think that that's it. Is that it? Yes. All right. Um, so I want to just finish for a second here and say that, I, again, life is a pilgrimage, and um, life is an arduous journey of faith. And I think that you realize that when you're on pilgrimage and come back. And I think that... Um, it's really, really, really important that we carve time out of our daily lives to go on pilgrimage, and to me that means daily prayer. I think we can have a mini pilgrimage every day if we learn how to pray on a daily basis in a way that nourishes us. I think we need holy places in our lives, and so I suggest that you make a holy place in your home, in the corner of your room. I suggest that you go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, nearby work, nearby home, wherever, as often as you can. I think some of the best prayer in the world goes on right in front of the Blessed Sacrament. We've got holy places in this area, which are really nice. We've got a bunch of places downtown in D.C. We've got, you know, St. Elizabeth, Ann Seton, and Emmitsburg. We've got a lot of holy places nearby. We don't have to go to France or to Mexico. I think that we need holy people in our lives. Get to know a few saints. And hang out with people who help you get closer to Christ. And finally, I think that we need holy art. I find it really helpful in my prayer. If it doesn't work for you, that's understandable. Find what works for you in your prayer. I suggest you consider using sacred art in your prayer. So that's it for my formal uh, remarks. I'd be happy to see if anybody has any questions or comments. Or uh, A whole bunch of you have been on these pilgrimages with me. So all the way in the back. Yes, what advice would you give for if someone is considering... Um, Great. Uh, can you just tell me your name? Joe. Joe. Great. Uh, Joe, um, you know, I, there are a ton of parishes that, that do pilgrimages. A lot of times the, the Arlington Herald uh, puts advertisements for pilgrimages that are going on. Um, Again, I personally would rather go at least with a few people that I know. So, you know, check around and see if there's a, a local parish that might be going. Or, um, you know, maybe, uh, you, maybe you should get Kevin Boley's office to organize a pilgrimage to the Holy Man for young adults. There, I just threw him under the table <laughs> back there. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, th that would be my suggestion to start. Uh, I'd be happy to think some more about it and uh, maybe give you some other ideas later. Thanks for asking, Joe.
Joe's a big name over in the Holy Land, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get into uh, uh, Nazareth. Nazareth was one of my favorite places over there, and the house of Joseph is is a pretty cool place. Other questions, comments. Anybody who's who's been on pilgrimage that, that wants to share an idea uh, similar to, to any of that I've done, or someone who wants to say that you're completely wrong, Father. <laughs> wow. right. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's a great place. Yeah, sure. Other suggested places. I mean, I, you know, the Basilica downtown is incredible. I mean, there's a ton of chapels in there, and uh, chapels especially dedicated to the Blessed Mother, and, uh, you know, all kinds of ethnic um, influence and so forth. Um, the, I mean, St. Patrick's uh, Church downtown is a beautiful old-fashioned style of church, and it's right there in the middle of Northwest, and it's got some beautiful art in there. Um, I think the uh, the the um, Franciscan monastery is a place to absolutely go to. I mean, they've got pretty amazing replicas of some of the the critical places in the Holy Land right there, all in one church. That is absolutely a, a place to go. Saint Elizabeth and Seton, uh, the the shrine and basilica in Emmitsburg is unquestionably a place to go. Uh, up above uh, Mount St. Mary's, the seminary and the school is a grotto that is gorgeous, dedicated to Our Lady of Lourdes, and they've got just tremendous art and stations of the cross and everything there. So uh, we, we are really blessed and privileged in a lot of ways. Uh, we've got several saints right up in Philadelphia, if you want to go a little bit further, St. John Newman and so forth. So we, we are very blessed. I don't know if anybody has any other suggestions for the, that kind of thing. All right, someone else had a question over here. Go ahead. Tell me your name, please. My name is Jaron Wilkes. Say that again. Jaron. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me your, tell me your question. So say one word to um, planning a pilgrimage for a youth group. Do you have any suggestions about preparing the youth group ahead of the pilgrimage? Um, I listen to this talk again. <laughs> Um, let them know that it's going to be a challenge. It is always a challenge. There's always curveballs that get thrown at you. It is going to be difficult. It's an arduous journey of faith. Um, but I would try to, to get them inspired too with some of these kinds of things. Um, and I would uh, let them know that there's a big, huge, massive, enormous difference between a pilgrimage and a tour. And don't take them on a tour. Please don't take them on a tour. Take them on a pilgrimage where the focus is on God and on prayer and on the saints and on the Eucharist and those kinds of things. Um, I, you know, I, I bring some really good people with you because it's going to be a challenge uh, to be working with them as well. So, so bring some good people that you trust and, uh, and get some advice from Kevin Bowler. <laughs> He's going to be a part of all of my answers tonight. I love Kevin Bully. He's a brother of mine. We got started together down at Mary Washington College. And, uh, I've known him for a long time, and uh, I'd like to give a brief. <laughs> Other questions? Someone else had one? Yeah. I'm sorry. Jonathan. Yeah, I know you're <laughs> you, 
you were talking about the importance of prayer in daily life. If that's not something that we do all the time or are kind of new to, how what's the best way to start that? Who got you to ask that question? Are you kidding me? <laughs> You know, I have a, a sticker that I've had for a long time that I keep in my office that's, that's uh, a takeoff on Nike. Just do it. Just do it. That's what I like to say most of the time. Just do it. Even if you don't know what you're doing, just do it. Take five minutes. Take ten minutes. Take 15 minutes. Do it every day. Build it into your schedule. Just do it. Because even if you don't know what you're doing, what did I say at the beginning, right? The Holy Spirit can pray in us, right? So even when we're not sure whether we're doing a good job, if we're there with a good heart, then stuff's going to happen. So just do it. Now, after that, I would suggest... I, I'm a huge fan of praying with the Scriptures. I, I think that that's one of the best places to start. And, uh, and start with the Gospels. And start with the stories about Jesus. Um, but I think there are a lot of really good books on prayer out there. I'm hoping to put one out there sometime soon on a spirituality for the youth minister. It's, it's written, but it's not published. So, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of good books out there that can help you. Um, I think that uh, praying with other people can be a good thing, too. And uh, so maybe getting started with some people who know what they're doing. I'm a big fan of the Liturgy of the Hours, the Rosary. I mean, I, just do it. <laughs> Uh, I could go on about this. That could be five more talks. I, I'll, I'll stop there. Any other questions? Yes. What's your name? Barbara. Barbara. Oh, that's great. That's a great. That's a great question. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, that's a big question. I don't know if I can give a fantastic answer to that. I, you know, I think that the bottom line is that that every single one of us has an enormous hole in our heart that only God can fill, and and we spend most of a lot of people, a lot of us maybe, have spent most of our lives trying to cram all the wrong things in that hole that only God can fit in. And uh, it, it, nothing fits. Nothing fits in that hole but God. And so there's going to be a big hole in our heart until we get God in there. And so I think the world is aching. If, if you're not religious and you're not spending time with God, you're aching whether you believe it or not. And so um, there, are, there are some really famous pilgrimages. Uh, there, there's one in Poland to Czestochowa that's very famous and you know, the pilgrimages to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. That's another one that's very famous. And, and that one has a particular mystique about it, I think, because it's in Europe, and it, you, know, you go from France into Spain, and 
movies have been made about it, you know, Martin Sheen and so forth. Um, and so, you know, I think there's A, there's a need to be close to God, and if we're, if we're not feeling it, then that's part of it. Um, I think that there are graces that come on a pilgrimage. It, it's, it's a holy voyage, and, and you're going to holy places, and holy things are going to happen. Um, although I, I think we have to be a little bit careful with some of those pilgrimages too, because sometimes not so good things happen too on, on some of those kinds of pilgrimages. Especially if you're by yourself. You have to be a little bit careful. In fact, I would really encourage, if you're going to do something like that, I would really encourage you to do it with, at least with one other person. Uh, that, that particular Any other questions, comments? Anybody who's been on a pilgrimage that wants to share a thought or an inspiration? All right. Thank you. And maybe it's time for some beers. Huh? <laughs> Thank you all very much.